With the great commission we've been given as believers in Christ, here's John Randall. Every single believer, I think, should live their life like a missionary. We're missionaries in this world. This is not our home. We're ambassadors. We are passing through. May God help us. May the Spirit of God revive us with evangelistic effort. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The laborers, they're few. They're few. And we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest. But I think when we pray to the Lord of the harvest, we're going to find out that we're the answer to our own prayers. God's sending us. He's called us. Welcome to A Daily Walk, friend. We're excited about today's program as we polish off our rather lengthy study of Luke. Now, just before his ascension, Jesus gave his disciples marching orders to go into the world and preach the gospel and live the gospel. We refer to this as the Great Commission. And it's something we're to be engaged in too, I might add. Have you noticed lately the great volume of bad news that's out there right now? Well, our world desperately needs to hear good news, and the gospel is just that. Here's Pastor John Randall with our final study in Luke with an eye on the latter part of chapter 24. Guys, listen, the Great Commission was not a suggestion from Jesus. This was a commission. It was a command. And it wasn't given just to those in the apostolic age. It was something that was given to us. We're to take the great commission. We're the ones that have been entrusted with the gospel. And the church of Jesus Christ is left here, not just to kick back on some mountain waiting for him to show up, but we're to be out there proclaiming the gospel with our lives, with our words. That's something that's been entrusted to us. We need to open our mouths. We need to speak. We need to share with people. When was the last time that we told somebody about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? When was the last time we were able to bring somebody in and lead them to Christ and say, listen, can I pray with you to receive the Lord? This is something that we need to be about. This is, this is the last thing that he said to us. This is what we're supposed to be doing, occupying until he comes, proclaiming the gospel, not being fearful, not being afraid of what people might think, and oh, I don't want them to like hate me. Listen, they're gonna, they would hate you a lot more if you didn't tell them. And they ended up separated from God for eternity. We, the church, I believe, needs to have some kind of awakening, some kind of a revival in our souls for, for people that are lost. 35,000 plus people live right outside these doors. And how many of them are going to heaven? I don't know. How many of them are going to hell? I don't know that either. I just know that we've been given a commission and we need to go. And that doesn't mean I have to go to another continent or across an ocean. I can go right outside these doors. I can go across the street. I can go to my neighbor. But that, I take it wherever I go. This has been entrusted to us. The church of Jesus Christ is called to be like a city that's set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. Jesus didn't say, you're a city that's set up on a hill. Turn the lights out and nobody will see you. Just kick, kick back, hide out there. He said, you're like a city with the lights turned on so that everybody sees it from wherever they're at in darkness. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what he's called us to be. That's the commission that we have been given. Every single believer, I think, should live their life like a missionary. We're missionaries in this world. This is not our home. We're ambassadors. We are passing through. May God help us. May the Spirit of God revive us with evangelistic effort. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The laborers, they're few. They're few, and we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest. But I think when we pray to the Lord of the harvest, we're going to find out that we're the answer to our own prayers. God's sending us. He's called us. Wherever it is he's placed us, at your job, that's a mission field. There are people that you will talk with that I will never have the opportunity to talk with. There are people that you will come across that, that I will never have the chance to sit down in this kind of a situation and share with them. But that's why God's sending us out. And here's what I believe as we go. 
that we are to take the message of the gospel. And I want to share something with you about that gospel. The gospel is the good news, and the gospel is relevant. It is sufficient for man's greatest need of salvation, regardless of the cultural context in which he lives. Oh, that works in the West, but that will never work in the East. I beg to differ. One, because the Bible says so, but secondly, by experience. I remember going to China and being in a hotel room with this guy, and all that he knew about the Bible, about Christianity, about God, he knew that there was some guy that built a boat. I don't know, I heard about some boat that was built. It was like some huge, and there's like, there's animals and stuff. Heard about some couple that ate some fruit and everything got messed up. I mean, that's what he knew. That's it. And you know what was amazing? When you presented the gospel to this man and you shared with him that he was a sinner, that Jesus died for him, that he rose from the dead, you know what happened? He got saved. God's just looking for people that are available. You don't have to have it all together. Trust me, I don't. But the gospel goes beyond cultural barriers, man. It is powerful. It has life built within it. And Jesus said, guys, I'm sending you out in my authority. The Bible tells us in Mark's gospel, the 16th chapter, here's what it says after the Great Commission was given. It says they went out and they preached everywhere and the Lord was working with them and he was confirming the word through accompanying signs. As they went out in obedience, the Lord confirmed that he was working by helping them. (laughs) It'd be very easy for the Lord to open the heavens and say, I'm God, you're not, repent right now. But he doesn't do that. He uses weak, flawed instruments like us to go out and present the gospel to a dying world. The church needs to be awakened in this area of living the gospel, of preaching the gospel. Jesus gave this commission to his disciples. He gave them the ability to comprehend the word, He gave them then a commission to go into the world. But the third thing I want to point out to you found in verse 49 is he gave them a command to wait for power. A command to wait for power. Look at verse 49. As you turn back to Luke's gospel, verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Throughout his ministry, Jesus had made reference to the work of the Holy Spirit. Even before Jesus began his ministry, John the Baptist, when he was preaching, he said, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming after me. He's going to baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in speaking to his disciples in his ministry as he was preparing to leave, he told them, listen, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I will send you the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. He's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. He said that the Holy Spirit, you you know him and because he dwells with you and he will be in you. I'm not going to leave you alone. He's going to take everything that I've already told you and he's going to remind you. And so the disciples were becoming aware of who the Holy Spirit was. But Jesus now indicates, and Luke writes for us, and Acts reveals to us, that Jesus said there was something else in the relationship to the Holy Spirit that they needed before they could go out to fulfill the Great Commission, and that was the power of the Holy Spirit. The disciples could not go out in their own strength. They were not capable. They were not powerful. They weren't courageous enough. They needed something that was outside of them. They needed something from heaven, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit. And when these men were there on the day of Pentecost, waiting, as Jesus said, they were waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that the Spirit came upon them, and they went out boldly and began to proclaim the gospel. 
What happened? What changed? I mean, in one minute, these guys were hiding out in an upper room, anticipating coming death. And now they are boldly out in the open proclaiming the gospel and 3,000 people are added to the church and then they're taken before the Sanhedrin and they're warned, you better not preach in that name anymore. And they said, whether that's right in the sight of God or in the sight of man, we don't know. We're gonna, we can't help but preach the things that we've seen and heard. So you, be the, the, you, you decide. We're going to keep preaching, in other words. And then they came to them again and then they brought them in and they beat them. And after they were beaten, they went out rejoicing because they had been founded worthy to suffer for Christ. How do you stop men like that? You just can't. The only way you can is if you put them to death. But the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and it grows. And so here these men would be empowered with the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad today that God doesn't call us to live a powerless life. He calls us to live a powerful life in Christ. There is a power that's outside of us, that's available to us. But the question is, have you asked for that? Remember Jesus in his ministry, he said, which of you fathers, if, you're, if your children come to you and say, can I have a loaf of bread? You'd say, no, but I've got a rock, chew on this. You wouldn't do that. If he came to you and said, can you give me a fish? You'd say, no, we're out of fish, but I got a live snake. You can chew on this. No, you wouldn't do that. You love your child. Jesus said, if you being evil as, as fathers know how to give your children good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The question is, have you asked? Have you asked and said, Lord, please, I don't have it. I don't have the power. Can you please? He will. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation nor shadow of turning. He loves to bless his kids with good gifts and the gift of the Holy Spirit is accessible, available to anybody who would ask. You know, the equivalent of trying to live a Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit is like trying to vacuum this room without plugging in the vacuum. A lot of activity, a lot of sweat, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, you know, but nothing's happening. There's nothing really being produced, but the moment you plug that thing in, yeah, it's really, something's happening here. What's happened? You plugged in. There's power. Now, when you plug into the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, everything changes. Jesus stood up on the great day of the feast. John chapter 7 says, and he stood up and he, he said, if any of you thirst, let him come to me and drink freely and out of his innermost being will flow torrents of living water. John said, this he spake concerning the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given because he had not yet been glorified. But listen, Jesus has been glorified now and the Spirit's available to every believer. Friend, tap into, receive the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to you. You say, well, what's going to happen when that happens? A lightning bolt's going to come out of my fingers? No, no. Does, do I have this overwhelming sense of boldness in that moment that I can stand up to anybody? I don't know that I've felt that, but here's what I've found. If I've asked for the Holy Spirit and I believe that I've received it, when I step out in obedience, you know what I find? The Holy Spirit's there, empowering me, reminding me of everything that I've heard and learned and I'm able to share. It's just that first initial step. And when you do it, Man, you take that step of faith, the Lord is right there to meet you. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the disciples were, and it changed everything. It changed everything. But not only were they given the comprehension of God's word and a command to go into a lost world, commission, and also a command to wait for power, but the fourth thing that I want to point out to you is that they continued in worship. They continued in worship. Look at what it says in verse 50. 
and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Jesus now lifts up his hands, it says, and he blessed them. And then he departed. He ascended, making his way back to glory. And when they watched him ascend, the response is here, it was worship. It was worship. This word for worship, Luke holds back throughout his entire gospel until this point. He doesn't use this word any other time except right here, the word worship. It's almost as if now that they understand fully who Jesus is and that he died and that he rose again, and now as he's ascending, they understand who he is, what he's done in the greatest sense of the word, and the only response they have, it's worship. That should be the response of every person who knows what Jesus has done, who recognizes that they've been saved. The response should be worship, not just in song, but in the life, presenting myself as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. It's my reasonable service. This is the response to everything that he's done. It's a life of worship. And so they just continued. This continued praising. Went in the temple, kept on blessing. It says that he blessed them, but now it says they're blessing him. And some people don't realize that. They don't realize that it's a continuation of worship and following after him. And that's exactly what these men did. In fact, turn now to the right in your Bible, Acts chapter 1, because Luke gives us a little more insight as to what happened on the day of Jesus' ascension. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, that is the Great Commission and everything that we've just read, it says, then he was taken up, And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven." After Jesus gave them the great commission, allowed them to comprehend the scriptures, told them to wait for power, as they're standing there, he then begins to ascend, and they're just watching him go up. It reminds me of like when my kids would have a balloon, and they'd let it go, and they'd just stand there thinking, I don't know, maybe it's going to come back down. It never does, but they're watching it go up, and they're just standing there until they can't watch anymore, and he goes up into the clouds, and two men... Two angels come and they say to him, why are you looking up in the sky? Don't you know that the same way he left, he's going to come back in that same way? And the disciples then began their ministry. The ascension of Jesus, he went up. They were to go out and fulfill the great commission. The ascension of Jesus marked a few things. Number one, it marked the completion of the work of salvation. It's done. It's finished. He's received back to glory. It's a completed work. Not only did it mark the completion of salvation, but also it marks his return to glory that he had before the world began. You remember in John's gospel, the 17th chapter, John records some of the prayers of Jesus. And one of the prayers that he prayed 
is that he would be able to return to the glory that he formerly had before everything took place, before he laid aside his divine privileges and came in the likeness of men and died in our place. He's saying, I want to return to that place. And sure enough, when he ascended, that's where he went, back to his glory. Listen, at the present time, he still bears the scars. He's the God-man forever and eternity. We're going to recognize him when we get to heaven. The Bible says we're going to look on him as a lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. We're going to recognize him. But he is back, now that he's ascended, back to his original glory. There were times when the disciples got a glimpse of it, but now it's complete and total. In fact, the Bible says the glory of God and the glory of the lamb there in, in heaven is so bright and so illuminating that there's no need of the sun. No need for a sun to shine because the sun is shining. That's the son of God, shining and will be in his presence. He's returned to his glory. But also, the ascension of Jesus Christ marks the sending of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7, if I do not go, I cannot send the Holy Spirit. The fact that he went, he was able to give the promise, the parakaletos in the Greek, the comforter, the one who comes alongside of us to assist us. The Holy Spirit has now been given because Jesus has ascended also, the ascension of Jesus marks the preparation of our heavenly home. You remember that Jesus said in John 14, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again, and I'm going to receive you unto myself. So what did Jesus do when he ascended? He started a construction project, friend. It's been going on for 2,000 years. There are some amazing places you could go in this world. The beauty is just you think it's unparalleled. I've never seen anything as beautiful as this and whatever that is to you. But could you imagine what's going on up there? 2,000 years. You know, the Bible talks about that the streets of heaven, they're made of gold. The streets. What's one of the most valuable things we have in this earth? Gold. You need gold. Sell your gold. Hold on to your gold. You know, that's what we walk on in heaven. That's like blacktop outside for us. It's not that important, you know. But, but there, the thing that we hold in the most value, we walk on it in glory. The foundation stones, of, I mean, you can read about in Revelation, it is unprecedented. It's like nothing you've ever seen. That's what the Bible says. No eye has seen, ear has heard, entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, this place is a dump compared to where we're going. He's preparing a place for you. Friend, there's room for you. There's room for you going to come again. But also the ascension of Jesus marks the work of evangelism being given to the church. Jesus said when he was here, I am the light of the world. But then he said to his disciples, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Guys, the Great Commission isn't just evangelizing, although it is evangelizing, to be certain. But Jesus said more, didn't he? He said, you evangelize, you share with them the good news, but then he said, I want you to disciple them. I want you to teach them. I want you to instruct them. It's one thing, isn't it, to have people come forward? It's another thing to equip somebody to go forward. It's important. Discipleship, follow-up, training, telling them what God says, helping them to grow. Sometimes people come forward and you, they never, you never see them again. No one was there to tell them how to continue to walk and they, they kind of just disappeared. Part of making disciples is, well, it's making disciples. And that's something the church is to be about. And that's one person at a time. And that's an important thing. Making disciples, having people continue to walk with Jesus, not just, you know, five minutes later, but I'm talking five years, 50 years later, still walking with the Lord, making disciples. 
That's what it is to fulfill the Great Commission. Also, we know that the ascension of Jesus marks his work of intercession on our behalf. The Bible says that Jesus right now, that he's at the right hand of the Father. You know what he's doing? He's praying for us. He's praying for you personally. He's praying, interceding on our behalf, ever lives to make intercession for us. The ascension of Jesus, finally, is a reminder to us of his second coming. The same way that you saw him go up, he's going to come again. And I believe personally that the return of Jesus is closer than when we first believed. That the next major event on the prophetic calendar of God, as you see all of the global things happening and economically and everywhere, I mean, you understand this. I mean, the Lord's coming. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to be ready for that. We need to be thinking about that. We need to be thinking heaven. Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. We need to be preaching this. We need to be proclaiming this because he's coming again and, and some people aren't ready. But the fact that he went is an indication that he's coming again. The Bible says that in one day, the trump of God is going to sound. The voice of the archangel says that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up to be with the Lord in the clouds, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another, Paul said in writing to the Thessalonians with these words. Oh, I pray you're comforted today. The fact that he's gone is an indication he's coming again. That's what he said. His first coming assures his second, and I pray that you'll be ready that you'll be ready, that I'll be ready. I want to be looking. Oh, I'm not making any predictions of dates. I'm just ready whenever it happens. Friend, we pray that you'll be ready when the Lord returns. It could be any day now. Stay tuned. Pastor John Randall will finish up Luke's gospel in just a couple of minutes here on A Daily Walk. And yes, this, our final message in Luke, is called The Great Commission. Look for it online at adailywalk.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You can order a CD copy of this message by calling 877-242-0828. And I should also mention John is on Twitter and Instagram. You can start following him on Twitter at PJRandall7 and on Instagram at John P. Randall. Maybe you've noticed that a simple message on a t-shirt can often lead to some great conversations. Today, we'd like to offer you the Jesus Loves You t-shirt. Take a look at it right now in our online store at adailywalk.org. We'll send it to you for the special price of $15. And who knows, maybe it will lead to a conversation about Jesus. We could also take your request if you call us at 877-242-0828. Thank you for your prayerful and financial support of A Daily Walk. It really is having an impact. With your help, we're able to reach people across the country with the truths of Christ at a time they really need to hear it. If you'd like to donate to the ministry, please go to adailywalk.org or call 877-242-0828. And we're very grateful to the Lord when we hear back from our listeners. Write to Pastor John today by email at adailywalk.org at gmail.com. He loves to read listener letters and emails. Let him know what's going on in your life and how we can pray for you at adailywalk at gmail.com. Maybe you're one of our new listeners. Let us know what you think of A Daily Walk when you write to us at adailywalk at gmail.com. Here with a few concluding remarks from our series in Luke is Pastor John once again. You know, as we conclude the Gospel of Luke today, I'm really praying 
and I hope you are too, and join with me in this. You know, we really need, we really need a revival. We really need an outpouring of God's spirit in, in these days. I mean, we really do. But I wonder if the church really longs for that. We talk about it, but I wonder if we're desperate for it. I think it starts with prayer. I know that it starts with prayer. I know that it starts with God moving on the hearts of God's people. But man, I, you know, there's just so much bad news and so many things going on. And you think there's, there is no remedy for this apart from a work of the Holy Spirit in our day. I mean, there really isn't. There's no answer. There's no answer except Jesus. And so God has commissioned us. He has called us. We are his ambassadors. And soon he will call his ambassadors home. But right now, we're here to represent the Lord. We're to preach the gospel. May God light a fire in the hearts of the church corporately to evangelize in this world. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. It is. But he also said the laborers are few. And he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And here's what I've come to realize. When we pray about the Lord sending out laborers into his harvest field, we may end up finding out that we're the laborers that we prayed for. Wherever your harvest field is, it's right outside these doors. May revival begin in our hearts and and spread. We need it. Well, now that we're finished with Luke, we'll head over to the Gospel of John tomorrow on A Daily Walk as we continue through the Bible with Pastor John Randall. In the meantime, let's be faithful to share God's news with a world that needs to hear it. A Daily Walk is a presentation of Calvary South O.C.